0: everyone this is Lonnie as we record this episode things are pretty bad and we will be discussing some related issues as they appear in these episodes as well as a discussion of slavery with regard to the alpha primitives in the comic books Uh, globally we've witnessed yet another brutal murder of a black person and the discussions that we are about to embark on in this episode may be triggering for some please protect your mental and emotional energy and health if that means shutting this episode down now, do that. At Chipperish, we remain, as always, dedicated to calling out white supremacy, where we see it, as well as other narratives that continuously find their way into our stories. We are also dedicated to the idea that our stories matter, and that by learning to identify and reject the premises of these cultural poisons in our stories, we lessen their power to control, manipulate, and gaslight us all. Black Lives Matter. We hope to someday live in a world where that goes without saying, but until we do, we're going to keep saying it. Our love and support goes out to everyone in this fight. We're with you. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that doesn't want you to die. We want you to suffer. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media.
1: And I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions. Together, we're working our way through the entirety of the MCU. And I'd like a cheeseburger medium with cheddar cheese, ketchup, Mayo, lettuce, and tomato. And some curly fries. Crispy.
0: So listen up, a-holes. We're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3, Episodes 11 through 22.
1: Okay, I have to start this Four Color Facts segment with a bit of a mea culpa. Yeah, (laughs) But believe me, no one is more disappointed than I am. So it turns out that I knew for a fact Marvel had a Hydra operative who was made out of radioactive bees and his own skeleton. And Mm -hmm. I thought he was Hive, because why the fuck wouldn't I? Well, exactly. Unfortunately, that gentleman is Swarm, and all my dreams of talking about Swarm are dashed against the rocks. So... Turns out that the high from the comics is exactly as gross and weird as you would expect, but he's not as interesting, to me at least, as being made out of radioactive bees that ate you, absorbed your consciousness, and then glommed Uh onto your skeleton to create a new composite being of radioactive bees. That swarm, though. So, here's what's up with Hive. So, Hive <laughs> was originally created by Hydra to be uh-huh. emblematic of the Hydra ideal. He is literally a million billion heads. Cut off one, <laughs> and two more will quite literally take its place.
0: That sounds so uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it gets worse. So, because okay. that version is not an inhuman, he's uh-huh. not a any kind of human anymore but he started Mm -hmm. out as one partly so hydra created a soup of parasites that could when given a human host develop sentience and a collective mind
0: Uh uh-huh
1: the thing is you have to give the parasites a host that's weak enough for it to be subsumed but then Mm -hmm. hive has the same ailments as the host oh okay for instance Hydra sacrificed a nameless agent who was diabetic and had other blood irregularities, which made him weak enough for the parasites to ingest. But then the hive also had diabetes and blood irregularities. Somehow. Uh I don't really understand it because you're a bipedal mass of wriggling worm things, so I'm not sure you have blood, but whatever. You know. Yeah. It's been discussed that this weakness was actually built into the parasites on purpose to keep Hive from getting too strong. I honestly think that's giving Hydra way too much credit, but whatever. (laughs) That version of Hive is a collective and does not see itself as an individual at all. It seems to speak its own language. It doesn't even speak English, it just speaks this Uh gibberish shit in word balloons. But sometimes other Hydra agents have responded in the same language. So it's Uh possible that it's a Hydra-created language like a Nazi Esperanto. (laughs) Now, if that is indeed the case, that Hydra created this language and then, you know, taught the hive, that and no other language... And then also taught some of their other ones. I will give this high five to Hydra. They get OPSEC way better than anyone on this fucking show. Okay. OPSEC is like something that happens to people in third world countries on Agents of (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like cholera (laughs) and dysentery. You hear about it, but it doesn't happen here.
0: (laughs) All right. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Though. I... Okay. So, (laughs) Hive. Let me... it's a million billion heads.
1: I mean, you know, heads like their little parasite worm things. Little
0: parasite worm heads. All right, and so if the parasites get cut off, then I'm more not grow. talking
1: literally, Lonnie. This to is a the metaphor. purpose
0: of okay, no, 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 no. I'm just trying to look. You started out with a big guy with eight million radioactive bees in a trench coat. That's our first guy. So now we've got this. Uh, he wears I'm a just cloak, trying to figure actually, it out,
1: actually, <laughs> because he understands style. Make it radioactive bees, but fashion.
0: (laughs) But wait a minute, though. I don't understand how Hydra creates this guy that is parasites that can only be in a human form if they take over somebody who is already physically weakened. This seems to me like yeah why yes. Lonnie, why yes. because why what does that do for hydra it seems oh, to no. me he's
1: very cool actually like he in he is a very effective sort of force on the battlefield does right? it, but
0: he has the he has the sway though he can like influence people he can oh. dale carnegie his way through this shit like what does oh what good does, lord no. what does hive do like What is what to what purpose is he? Does he drive the getaway car for all the like Hydra bad guys when they're on a bad mission? Like, what is it that he does?
1: He is an unkillable thing. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Like, he can breathe air and underwater and he's immune to poisons because he's actually a bunch of little worm things. I mean, like, he's right. But yeah.
0: But what does he do? Like, if he's unkillable. He, he's a murder dude. He's yeah. a dude murderer. Yeah. He okay. Is a... okay. Okay. Now I like, later, wait, I...
1: I will say later, he does wind up in something of a leadership position and it's good. Like, it's not like he's great at it, but it's, he's good. Talking
0: his, his weird Nazi Esperanto to Yes. Uh, like, listen, that...
1: <laughs> uh, apparently the Madam Viper that was in charge <laughs> when he was also in charge could speak Nazi Esperanto.
0: Okay. Look, I'm just saying. You have brought into this space a lot of crazy shit, right. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's this fine. This is my job. And I'll ask. I'll ask a question here. I'll ask a question there. But most of the time, I'm riding along. Sure. I'm here. You know, right? This is literally, I think, the weirdest thing. Like I don't understand like the purpose of any of it.
1: I did mention the guy who's made out of his own skeleton and radioactive bees. So is he is hive really the weirdest thing I've brought in this episode.
0: Okay, okay, yes, but you brought swarm in as part of the whole hive thing. So I think I made it a mistake. One mélange of weird, but uh, but like okay, so he can murder people. It seems like all right. It seems to me, and pardon me if I'm wrong.
1: No, please, by all means. But
0: it seems to me That before you build a parasitic dude who Mm -hmm. can survive and murder, that you could just, with much, much less energy and a much higher return on investment, just murder dudes the old-fashioned way. Oh, yeah. With, like, a regular dude murderer guy.
1: Now, look, Hydra didn't put that on the (laughs) shelf.
0: They also just (laughs) keep doing that.
1: I think what you possibly are not... Realizing so this is maybe worth talking about with Hydra yes so Hydra does not really consider the cost of these like it's just <laughs> go r and d some shit, right? like
0: it's not just money, but it's like the the time and and resources uh, the scientists the why uh, well of it. <laughs> The return on investment on Hive, I gotta say, sounds real
1: low. It's very, it's 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 extremely low, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that I did read the story where he first showed up, but I read it yes. a couple of years ago. I've mentioned it before. It's all part of Secret Warriors. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. And I did read Secret Warriors a couple of years ago. Um, most of it stuck with me, uh, mm-hmm. but but. If if anyone long time listeners remember me talking about reading it at my table like my dining room table like I'm eighth grader doing homework <laughs> because the book was so big I couldn't hold the damn thing up like I just set oh it on the God. table so some details have left me however yes yeah, sure. mm-hmm. I don't remember thinking this hive guys fucking worthless when I was reading it so I okay. feel like He's a very effective murder bot, you know, and later Uh he gets a little bit of leadership potential, which actually makes sense because he does think in terms of the collective. So he might be the best leader Hydra's ever had. Now that I think about it, just philosophically.
0: Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I'm, I'm confused. Okay. First of all, delighted, but confused.
1: Sure. Let me just lay this on the line. Yeah. The hive on this show (laughs) is better. Okay. He makes more sense. He does The Grant Warty
0: hive on this show is better. Wow. Okay. I like well, it.
1: Well, you know, I mean, if you're looking to figure out why, Brian Michael Bendis <laughs> invented this guy. So,
0: okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I will release you. You have met your contractual obligation. <laughs> you may move on.
1: I'm not, listen, not every idea. I'm not sure that Swarm's that effective. I just think he's a great visual and a hell of an idea. So, you know, I'm just... <laughs>
0: You can't knock them on creativity.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot, honestly, but there were a few things Mm -hmm. I wanted to hit on, a little more traditional four-color facts. I do want to mention Yo-Yo. Yes. She Mm -hmm. has an antecedent in the six one six. Um, Mm -hmm. I really love what they did with Yo-Yo on this show, uh, which is why I want everyone Mm -hmm. to know that they based this character on somebody else, Um, although she operates under the codename Slingshot because Uh Yo-Yo is just her nickname. Okay. Okay. Sure. She is a member of Nick Fury's Secret Warriors, operating under the leadership of Daisy Quake Mm -hmm. Johnson. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the most unexpected thing about her is that she's the daughter of a supervillain.
0: Okay. Does
1: the name Johnny Horton ring any bells with you? Mm, No. You may remember him as the fellow who gave himself lion's paws. (laughs) In the 616, we call him Uh the Griffin. And Uh I'm not sure what kink makes you think you want to have sex with a man monster with lion claws and wings, but whatever that kink is, I don't have it.
0: You know what? There's something for everybody.
1: I'm just saying, it's his unstable mutagenic blood that caused Yo Yo to have powers, which means okay. he was a monster when mm-hmm. she was conceived. I think the less we talk about it, the better. Let's oh, move on God. to primitive inhumans. Uh huh. Okay, this is where I've got to cop to some really unfortunate shit, frankly. Mm-hmm. I have said previously that I love the Inhuman Royal Family, and I mean it every single time, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're saints. You see, for the last 4,000 years, every menial task done in Adelan, the city of Mm -hmm. the Inhumans, has been performed by an alpha primitive. This is a race of clones bred only to serve. Mm -hmm. They're about as intelligent as a human six-year-old. They work for 18 hours a day, sleep for six, and have been programmed at the genetic level to have no need for culture or leisure. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a problematic concept. Uh, they don't yeah. look much like the primitive inhumans of the show, but they look a little, and that's definitely what the show is pulling from. I mean, just calling them primitives when they were more a failed well, experiment. right? Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, alpha primitives, cool. Now, as a concept, mm-hmm. let's all be clear, this is pretty fucked up, okay? Mm-hmm. They're a slave race created just to be a slave race, purposefully infantilized and cultureless. They're supposed to be what, ethical slavery would look like according to the inhumans oh god (laughs) but the good news is the comics have actually taken this head on a few times okay Okay. the alpha primitives have often revolted but the fact that they literally cannot take care of themselves
0: usually has them back in service oh Oh, god this is so bad it's very
1: bad it's very bad i defend none of this it's very bad and, but again, th- again, it's mm-hmm. dealt with at least to a point in the comics. So the Inhumans have yeah. repeatedly been denied membership to the United Nations because they still keep slaves. That's mm-hmm. an actual thing. Like as a nation and a people, they're not part of the UN because they're like, you got all these alpha primitives. What are you doing
0: about that? Wait, but the Inhumans, though, are our heroes. Like a Quake and, and, and Yo-Yo. and
1: Ah, uh, let me draw a distinction That has been drawn in the comics that has not yet been drawn in this show because it's going to be a little while before we get to the execrable Inhumans television show. (laughs) In the comics, for most of the history of the Marvel Universe, when we say Inhumans, we mean an entire other, like, separate nation of people.
0: Okay. They used to live in the
1: Himalayas. After their first appearance, sometime after their first appearance, they moved to the blue area of the moon, which I have mentioned on this podcast. It's the garden that was created by the Scrolls to try and win the competition Uh against the Kree, right? Like, does this ring bells Uh from, I think, from Captain Marvel? Yes, yes, yes. So. They moved to the blue area of the moon because humans suck, and who can argue, right? Like yes, I get it. Right. The thing is, and I love them, okay? Uh-huh. They're really great. They are but but they're but they're problematic, okay? And they're problematic mm-hmm. even before you find out about the alpha primitives. They're basically right. um, their society is essentially based on a kind of eugenics where only mm-hmm. the most pure bred in humans are able to go through terogenesis. Now, part of right. this is self-preservatory. Boy, I'm just eating up into time on the Inhuman show when we get there. But since we're going to do that one probably <laughs> drunk, it's okay. Part of this is self-preservatory slash saving the world. Because Terrigen mists mutate them, right? They take whatever's going right. on with them and do something to them to give them superpowers. Whatever they mean, and they're never super clear about, but whatever they uh-huh. mean by the most genetically pure, when they're not pure they can often become monsters like literal monsters and so then you're damning somebody to live as the sentient pile of goo or whatever or they get so overpowered that they have to be put down or something like that Uh so again boy does this sound like i'm defending them and i'm more saying the fiction has just created an extremely complicated space when it comes to talking about the inhumans
0: yeah. No, and I, I I understand that. I just like if there are bad guys, then that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's not fine. But clearly well, it's, we,
1: we can we can say, oh, it's bad guys doing bad this. Bad guys thing. do
0: terrible things. And like exploring the terrible things that people do, and of course, even aliens or whatever are all coded as human in all of our stories. Um, anything that is sentient and thinking is coded as human. Um, and the terrible things that people do are definitely need to be explored in our fiction. But I yeah, like I'm 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 very, very uncomfortable with where the line is drawn.
1: Oh there. yeah. Now here's the thing. They are always the the inhuman royal family. So normally uh-huh. when I say the inhumans, I mean the royal family, because that's usually yes. who shows up. Like mm-hmm. when a human shit is going down, you know, right. somebody's mm-hmm. got to kick in the door at the Baxter building and start telling the Fantastic Four what's up. So when mm-hmm. I say the inhumans are here, I usually mean the royal family, which is like seven or eight people. OK. OK. Mm-hmm. So they're not always heroic or even often heroic they're actually Mm -hmm. usually sort of antagonists but with a point Mm -hmm. because they're usually trying to protect themselves from some dumb shit Mm -hmm. humans or superheroes or villains are doing Mm -hmm. so they are from jump extremely complicated and nuanced but you can look at them and say well there is a nobility to this group of people but also you bred Slaves now. in yes. And humans mm-hmm. don't live for super long periods of time. So the current royal family wasn't around four thousand years ago to ratify this plan. Mm-hmm. And again, and I don't think it's great, but they have released them. They have freed them a couple of times. But then it's like they don't know what to do with themselves. And they, you know, right,
0: which is, you know, which is a very similar narrative to what was said about, you know, slaves in America.
1: That's why I don't like this, because that was bullshit for that right like we
0: terrible right yeah. that's bullshit
1: yeah. in real life yeah. and if you're trying mm-hmm. to do some kind of uh you know some kind of allegory or metaphor that we can toy with it unfortunately you've created a group of people for whom that is actually literally true within the fiction which right. lets everybody way too off the hook and yes boy let mm-hmm. me tell you how they are uh slowly but surely ending this problem uh mm-hmm. they just stopped cloning more Okay. And they only live to be, I think, 42 years old anyway. So oh, they're basically Jesus. just not like it, it feels like it would be wrong to go down and euthanize. So they're just not making any more and they're letting right. time take its course. It's not good. Okay. Okay. This is bad. Yeah, it's a, no, it's not all, endorsing it's all of it.
0: No, I know you're not. I know you're not. I'm not questioning you. No, I'm questioning Marvel. But I do Marvel. like the Inhuman
1: Royal Family quite a lot. Very questioning Marvel. Well, okay. Yeah, and that's and that's I mean, they they make for very yes. interesting stories. That I'm like sure at the end of the day that that's, that's what did. I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Every time yes. the Inhuman show up, shit gets a little more cosmic and a little more interesting and I'm here for mm-hmm. all of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, I think I probably fell in love with the Inhuman Royal Family before I knew anything about the Alpha Primitives. I mean, this is just mm-hmm. I'm just saying, because Mm -hmm. this is me reading comics off the rack. So it wasn't like I had a digital app or that I could go read every Mm -hmm. back issue. And so if if I'm reading Fantastic Four or Avengers and it's these seven or eight people that are just show up and everybody starts shitting bricks because the Inhumans are here. I like that. And then sometime way down the road, I find out about the Alpha Primitives and I'm like, nah, for what the fuck, you guys?
0: There's a, absolutely a place for just reprehensible stuff within fiction. Absolutely, that's where we process our cultural trauma. Um, is is a lot of times through our fiction. But yeah, that's um, yeah, that's not great. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think we can all agree. I think we all agree. I don't think anybody disagrees that it's 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 truly truly uh, disturbing.
1: Establishing that the alpha primitives are never going to be able to get smarter, that they're never Mm -hmm. going to be able to be educated, that they can never be taught culture feels like a cop-out.
0: It is a cop-out. This is a group of people who created a man out of a swarm of bees. You have scientists. That's Hydra. You can do anything. No, I'm saying the people who it's written, all of this stuff did not just happen. It's a decision.
1: Right. But this decision, I think, was made... I think that came Uh along later, and I think it was somebody trying to let the royal family off the hook somewhat, like to try and keep them in more of a heroic light. But instead, they took this kind of like useful allegory and turned it into exactly the reprehensible shit that serious people were saying about the real world. Yeah comparison yeah. to the allegory and yeah. i don't like it and i don't recommend it and so writers <laughs> writers at home keep this in mind think about how your world building rolls out be
0: careful about what you do because that's uh yeah that seems like the kind of thing that when you your car breaks down and you stop and you pop the hood hoping that a little flag is going to pop up saying fix <laughs> me like this is a situation where a flag should just pop up for anybody's looking at and be like nope
1: yeah (laughs) don't do this
0: Um, don't do that yes
1: (laughs) All right. let's end on a significantly more positive note and let me tell you that Coulson's energy shield has a direct comic book precedent
0: oh yay I love the energy
1: shield it's pretty fun once Mm -hmm. upon a time Captain America's unbreakable shield totes broke (laughs) it was a whole thing don't worry about it Tony replaced it (laughs) With a pure adamantium one.
0: Uh Uh-huh. This
1: didn't work out well for all kinds of reasons, but especially reasons of balance.
0: Okay. Cap
1: kept wrecking the mansion, trying to get good at throwing it and bouncing it off shit. (laughs) So it was re-replaced with an energy Uh shield that Tony had originally made for the U.S. agent when he was part of Force Works. Now, Uh we will definitely see the U.S. agent on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so I will talk Uh more about him then. So we might even see his energy shield too. I don't know. Ooh, yay! Maybe uh-huh. we'll see. But there is no way in hell that we're ever going to see force works, and I'm and that's the reason I'm not going to talk about them either. Because it's like I okay. can put the U.S. agent off, and I can just uh, ignore uh, that force uh, works uh, ever happen. But okay. the energy shield is very very cool. The energy um, shield is cool. Other versions of Captain America have shown up with energy shields. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we get a future Cap, or uh, actually, mm-hmm. I feel like don't hold me to this, but I feel like possibly the. Captain America from the future that is Jessica Jones and Luke Cage's mm-hmm. daughter and named after Danny Rand, I feel like yeah. she might have one. I forget, honestly. But, I mean, a lot <laughs> of different Captain's America uh-huh. or or knockoffs or versions thereof have right. turned up with mm-hmm. the energy shield. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, it was yeah. As soon as I saw it, I was like, look, it's got the concentric rings. Oh, but yeah. in the middle, mm-hmm. it's the shield thing instead of the star. I was like, I know mm-hmm. what you're doing. I know. <laughs> And this will be a perfect way to cleanse our palates after having to discuss alpha primitives.
0: Okay, so with all of that behind us, right, let's move (laughs) into these episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is season three, episodes 11 through 22. So the back half of the season. Um, Okay, so Joshua, overall, second half of season three, what'd you think?
1: I have once again prepared some remarks. Yes. (laughs) Honestly, it's not quite as strong as the first half. Uh Uh-huh. Hive is a cool threat, but with creating a reason for Hunter and Bobby to leave and with the heat turned up on Fitzsimmons and with callbacks to the first half of the season and getting some family drama for Mac and exiting two of our series regulars, one of whom was there from the very beginning, it just felt Mm -hmm. like a little diffuse in comparison to the first half. Like, there's just a little too much going on. Also, Uh let's be honest about a couple of things. There are a lot of coincidences that happen in the back half of this season, and that's some lazy fucking writing that didn't ruin it for me, but it definitely took me out every single time it happened, and there are Mm -hmm. a lot of them. Also, Mm -hmm. this visions from the future stuff as foreshadowing is itself bad. Not that one episode, but everything that comes after that uses that is bad. Mm Mm-hmm. The hot potato, I'll just use this as the broadest, biggest example of why it's bad. The hot Uh potato that is Yo-Yo's cross... is fucking egregious and annoyed the shit out of me like that was like that's like some seventh grade fucking around bullshit right there and i'm not into it
0: and when fitz put it in his pocket you didn't have a momentary heart attack like oh no it can't be fitz
1: no i had a momentary oh that's how this is gonna fucking be that's what i had because i knew it wasn't gonna fucking live there he's not going to space uh, yeah. So I still enjoy, I am enjoying season three. Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. I am largely positive. Yes. But considering how just sort of unalloyed my positivity for the first half was, I was a little disappointed to realize that this one's a little all over the place. And also we're happy to just go, eh, it could happen probably and move on sure. a lot. Why not? It happens a lot. And I know <laughs> that you know what I'm talking about. Cause I think you got about 12 texts from me. this past Saturday morning that we're like, well, that's fucking convenient because it happens a lot. (laughs) So overall positive, Mm -hmm. but definitely some issues here, I feel. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think that that's fair enough. I'd say I'm about I'm about the same. I, I liked the first half of season three much more. Um, I do like some things in the back half. I I, I mean, I, I like
1: it. Oh, no, I like a lot that's going on yeah. here. Even stuff that I would normally be really annoyed by. Like we do this uh, kind of flashback episode for Gideon Malik, you yeah. know? And normally yeah. I would be like, uh, in the business, we call this a momentum killer. Can you get the fuck back yeah. to the people I care about? <laughs> but it was actually... Entertaining it enough, was okay. right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know
0: me. I'm not a fan of flashbacks, but it was. It, I think that it did have. First of all, it had its own narrative arc, right. so that makes yeah. it that makes it work. Um, and also, it, it, that narrative arc does have direct relevance to what then happens. Absolutely, so I think that that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I mean, I I actually I really do like it. I don't like it quite as much. Um. But there are things that I think are are going to be uh interesting to talk about um the first one and i wanted to to mention this to you joshua because i'm not sure if you picked up on it do, do you know that revenge is bad <laughs> are you
1: well, are you aware i'm gonna be honest <laughs> I was a little shaky on that concept before I watched the 11 episode after school special on revenge <laughs> being bad. That is the last half of season three, of Agents of
0: which I really love. He's like, it's a super, super bad. But then he tries to sell Gideon Malik on it to make Malik do what he wants.
1: Right. So I mean, listen, whatever other laziness goes on in the writing in this last half, at least they're like, God damn it. We are staying on theme people yes
0: yes absolutely so um so uh, here's the thing like i love Like when you think when you talk about these issues, philosophy is one of the great things that like um, science fiction that these fantastical stories can really dip into and can really talk about and focus on. I think that's great. You know me. I mean, I love a good theme, right? (laughs) What 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 I don't like as much is when it it is crammed down your throat in this very like obvious style. That's like and especially coming from Phil Coulson, who is. And I love Clark Gregg. Like I, yes, this, yes. This is, this is an issue for me too. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, like give you all a little. You know, uh, Clark Gregg and Brett Dalton are two actors <laughs> who delight me right. in my soul, and that spills over. So there is some extra textual influence working on me because they, they are delightful human beings. Like just delightful so um and I've, I've engaged in some you know youtube videos of the cast behind the scenes and i've seen like all this kind of stuff. so like I, they just they got they got to me so some of my love for colson some of my love for ward uh, may very very well be influenced by that um but colson's constant you know revenge is bad like the the idea of this dude being completely straight faced when he starts making moral proclamations there is I mean not only is revenge bad but there are a lot of bad things that Colson does on a regular basis as a matter of fact I think he's got it in like his goals app to do three bad things before lunch every day so for, for him to be like this one thing I did was bad we're just going to hand wave over everything else and also with everybody else Always treating him like he is such a good dude. Now, I love him. I love him. I would not mind a textual acknowledgement that this guy is seriously flawed. And I don't think that we get that.
1: We certainly haven't up till now. Like, this is all I can Mm -hmm. speak to is up to the end of season three. And we we certainly haven't. And yeah, that's... (sighs) That's almost as big a problem as the fact that revenge is bad as the thematic equivalent of stop hitting yourself. Like that's right. that's bad enough. But then the person yeah. who's delivering it to us is an extremely questionable source that the oh, that yeah. the narrative, the script, the writing, whatever, you know, the show as an entity yeah. does not see as nuanced or complex morally. And they really no. should. they no. really should.
0: They ride on. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't Clark Gregg playing this character, I don't know if I'd be able to watch this show. Like, I think Coulson would be a huge problem for me. I I am ashamed to say that Clark Gregg's like personal charm drags this character a long way for me. Um, And that is something that I think I'm going to have to sit down with myself and think about it um, because it's because it's not great. I mean, we've got like the registry. We've got the, the I mean, the rogue police force that they're, they're like, I mean, a terrorist organization. They're like, a terrorist like, organization. When they're yeah. called a terrorist organization, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. look at it. But there are heroes. And so because the, the narrative does not allow for that It it has like this gaslighty feel to it that for a show that i've loved for so long and i'm only like really kind of seeing all of these things now that i'm looking at it critically because remember remember what it's like before you became a culture critic and you could just watch something and just like be like yeah that's great it's fun it's a good time without really thinking about it too deeply and then when you're looking at it critically it's like wow Real serious problems. So, um, so I have, I have, I have issues with that. I think I'm going to continue to have issues with that. Um, And I find it, I find it a little bit, uh, a little bit weird. Um, Also, I don't understand the purpose of Coulson repeatedly dead naming Daisy. Yeah, Um,
1: it seems a weird choice, just on the face of it. Like we're going to talk about some ways that it is particularly ill-conceived but just Mm -hmm. on the face of it i'm like nobody else is having any fucking trouble you haven't known her that much longer than the rest of these people you just kind of look like an asshole
0: and you also see her as your daughter we actually have him textually acknowledge she's the closest thing i have to a daughter so if anybody is going to make the effort and put the attention into making sure that they get that right it should be Coulson now uh, let me just quickly say dead naming is calling somebody by their name from birth which they have since changed and is typically referring to transgender people who often select a new name for their transitioned identity um, I would like to take this opportunity to say not for nothing JK Rowling that trans women are women trans men are men non-binary non-binary and gender is a social construct and you can listen to the gender reveal podcast if you have issues with any of that. The link is in the show notes. Um, so I apologize for using the term deadnaming when we're referring to a straight cisgender woman. Um, but it's the only term I know of that acknowledges a change in identity this way. And Coulson's resistance to seeing Daisy in her new identity, especially in a world full of Iron Men and Captain's America, <laughs> that we don't have a problem going from Steve to Cap, right? Yeah. You know, um, it feels... It feels icky and wrong, and and for me, I feel like that kind of dead naming um, can be upsetting for you know for transgender people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who ha- who often like have to deal with this in their own lives. Can can we not bring this in here if we're not going to address it or have a narrative purpose for it?
1: Yeah, there's maybe one other instance and and i don't know i mean i'm just not knowledgeable enough to know if this was ever referred to as dead naming but it Mm -hmm. but it seems like it could have been um Mm -hmm. or like there's a similar there's some overlap so what i had in mind as i as i noticed that Mm -hmm. i mean i certainly the dead naming of of trans people is the first thing i thought of but as i was trying to think about this you know in a more robust way They're doing all this X-Men stuff, right? We talked about Mm -hmm. that in the last episode. One way that codenames with the X-Men have been approached, including in the second film, the X2 Mm -hmm. sequel, is that they treat those codenames as the mutant name they chose for themselves, right? Like, this is our Mm -hmm. identity now. I have changed my identity, Um, Mm -hmm. which uh, is definitely meant... To make reference to uh, Nation of Islam members Mm -hmm. who leave behind their, as they put it, slave name and take on a holy name that is them from then on. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that I'm not sure if they, you know, if someone came along and called them by their old name, that's dead naming. But I'm not sure if that term was ever used. You know, in that space. Right. I can guarantee you that those people were called by the name that they got left behind maliciously. Like that happened. That, it was right?
0: aggressive. Yeah. Right. That's not a microaggression. That's an aggression. That's a full war aggression. And <laughs> yeah. so that's mm-hmm. what I
1: was thinking about. But the thing mm-hmm. is, that doesn't make it better because that's Colson still like denying the fact that that Daisy is making a specific and conscious and serious choice to take on a new identity because of parts of her past that she rediscovered. Like, mm-hmm. there's, no matter which direction you come at this, it really is not a good look for Coulson. And the fact that they just kind of beat that drum, yeah, it's like not it good. it was a joke. Yeah. It was
0: very lightly played as a joke. And um And see, again, if you've got a narrative reason for it, but why bring in something lightly into the narrative as a joke with no narrative purpose in a way that, that really kind of demeans the people whose experience of that is as aggression, you know, is as a, a, a very specific and vile form of disrespect for who they are and their identity. I, you know, and again, like I just, it just it bothered me it bothered yeah. me a lot um they yeah. do
1: kind of bring it home and make it kind of matter but not to the level because
0: he finally is able to call her daisy and that's supposed to be some kind of it's a
1: moment they act like it's, it's a, a moment.
0: moment it is i yeah yeah
1: it is not a moment with enough positivity to outweigh the negativity that outweigh doing it, what it brings and yeah. the stuff that it brings. Kind of incidentally, like this isn't yeah. like me just meeting you and forgetting your name. Ha ha ha! Right? Like this is somebody <gasps> yeah, or, you, know you know and, and love. that kind
0: of thing can happen. Sure, like you know, and and in in a transitional period, you know, where somebody's going from one to another. Oh, sometimes yeah. you sometimes people will genuinely make a mistake and then you you know you fix it and you keep you keep going and remember from there on. But that doesn't take that long. Everybody else was able to call her Daisy at this point. Um, So the fact that Colson can't, is is to me it's a weird. resistance yeah. to allowing her to choose her own identity yes. and that i found to be really really disturbing so we're just front loading all of this discussion oh. with the things that we hated for people like we no, both no, 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 really no. i kind of liked the last you know the last part of the the season but there's there's some stuff in this in this that i was not a fan of
1: i think that's the trick i think for, mm-hmm. for anyone who thinks that this is uh, perhaps overly negative or front loading with negativity i will point mm-hmm. out that I really did enjoy this. And there's a lot yes. of like nonsense and fun for mm-hmm. us to talk about. But it just feels, particularly now, like it would be yeah. incredibly irresponsible for us to just be like, let's talk about the fun shit only, We, I mean, we cannot exactly. do that right now. So we're and gonna yeah. get there. And there's lots of yeah. fun stuff to talk about, but we do have to deal with the fact that some of this is just inexplicably problematic. <laughs>
0: It is. It is very seriously disturbing. Uh, So, the other topic that I'm going to bring up is um, police brutality in this very kind of muddied presentation that I am completely unsure. I think we're coming down as a text on the side of police brutality and I'm confused by the whole thing. Uh, but before we get started on this topic, uh, we do want to say that as two white people we'd like to acknowledge as we make these observations that we are aware of our privilege and of some of the blindness that that can create in us. We also have thought about and decided against inviting someone in to do our intellectual and emotional labor for us and remove us from the difficult positions of having to think through this for ourselves Uh, this goes doubly true right now asking anyone to come in and talk to us about this particular topic feels uh, monumentally insensitive and that's not something that we're willing to put anyone in that position
1: now, we searched for, but unfortunately didn't find, writing from black critics or other critics of color on this specific episode or this specific batch of episodes, honestly, like mm-hmm. about the, the topic that we're concerned about. But we did find some great articles at thenerdsofcolor.org regarding the inclusion in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, the one that we have in mind uh, will, of course, be in the show notes, but it's by A.L. Barrosa and Claire Light. So again, all that, the links to their website, to their social media, all of that's going to be in the show notes. We'd also like to recommend blackgirlscreate.org and Sista Speak Productions. We've had Sista K on the show before. We so, have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can definitely endorse both of those uh, places to find really smart content about popular culture from a perspective that is significantly less pale than Lonnie and I.
0: Yes. Um, we continue to welcome corrections on anything that we might get wrong, although no one is obligated to do so. But if anyone has other resources for cultural criticism by Black, Indigenous, people of color, LGBTQ, any other identities uh, related to the MCU or not that we can recommend in this show and in other Chipperish media productions, we welcome and are grateful for your time and energy. If you choose to share that with us, info at chipperish.com. And if there are culture critics out there who would like to talk with us about these things, we encourage you to slash into our dms
1: yes please honestly i mean from my perspective yes please absolutely
0: it's not that we don't want to have people on the show and and raise voices it's that we don't want to ask somebody to come in to have a conversation about something like this um when when we've got to do our own work and we've got to you know figure this out i i I prefer in circumstances where we come across difficult commentary to um to go to writing that people have already done Mm -hmm. so that i am not um draining anybody's energy or Mm -hmm. their time or their resources that said um for any topic does not have to be related to whichever identity somebody's in um we we invite people who would love to you know talk to us about about their perceptions on a lot of these uh things to to come in and uh and hang out out with us so culture critics get in touch so on to the topic it seems like we're about to address police brutality when daisy is threatening the watchdog in the in the car right and Fitz Fitz's face when he holds the gun on the guy and the way that Fitz just lowers his gun and has this disgusted look on his face shows that we do have some textual acknowledgement that what daisy is doing here is wrong um but the power differentials here are not an exact map to what is happening in the real world. So it feels again like something where we're just, we're either unaware or not quite getting it right or uh, really tone deaf in in some of the ways that this is being presented. Um, But Daisy and the Inhumans are a minority that are being targeted by hate. So we have that, right? Um, And they also wield a great deal of power. In addition, Daisy is on a wild rogue law enforcement slash terrorist organization. Um it's and so, in this
1: moment, she is the maverick cop of an yes, already maverick organization.
0: Exactly. It's not great. It is. It's not great. Then in this episode to muddy everything up even more we have Max brother Ruben, right as a black man making an argument for the watchdogs using language that actually kind of maps to the struggle for black equality um, that makes this whole thing really super muddy uh, we have Ruben saying well they got the right idea someone's got to fight back the government controls everything you either rise up in protest or you fall down in chains that's a direct quote I hear you like yeah. when when you say that, first of all, that language, that's not the language of the hate group. That's the language of the people being targeted by a hate group,
1: right? Yes. I, okay. I mean, that sounded like a quote, but I'm just going to be honest. It's not one that I recognized.
0: I think it's a quote. For, I think it's a quote from the Watchdog website Ruben was saying.
1: Oh, is that so, what that's supposed yeah. to be? So they yeah.
0: wrote it. But yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That doesn't seem right. I mean, that seems much more like something in line with what, as you say, what the the beleaguered minority would say, as opposed to which is what the watchdogs think they are, right? But the fact that we're hearing this from Ruben they are muddies the hate our group. right. But let's, but every hate <sighs> mm-hmm. group, most of the hate groups, I don't know all of them, so I'm not going to say all of them. But you know, <laughs> the big famous ones uh-huh. are hate groups because they feel that they are a beleaguered minority. Or at least they position themselves as one. I mean, I, mean,
0: this I, is, I think that, yeah, I think that they may put true. that on the That's brochure. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I don't know, but it feels like I, and, and the thing is, is that in this episode of, you know, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this was written like somebody yeah. made this choice and nobody questioned it. Nobody questioned it that having Mac you know, as a black man, not even acknowledge this or seem to see any complicated areas of this, um, feels, it just, it, it feels wrong to me. <laughs> um, and given, especially like watching this right now, you know, in this, in this particular time, and I feel really weird that we had Endgame, You know, when when Corona was just starting and now we have this during during this this time in which we are, you know, as a nation, really grappling with ourselves and our history and the things that we have done. So having this come up now, I feel very confused by it. Yeah. I feel uh, uh, like we're, we're supporting this kind of brutality in um, institutions of power. Uh, it, it's just it's it's feeling really, really uncomfortable.
1: It's just more muddy than it needed to be because yeah. the conversation is between Ruben and Mac. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I I... like the idea of someone close to one of like someone who's close to an agent, but is not themselves an agent, Yeah, you know, Mm kind of coming under the sway and being worried about the inhumans. And honestly, on the team, we have people who blow with the wind a little bit um, as far as, oh, Daisy's okay, but the rest of them, which right there, Mm -hmm. you should hear the way that I say that, that's a red flag in language right there. Exactly.
0: Um, Yes. I think it's
1: also worth saying, again, because of the moment that we're in and because of some of the things that I am personally grappling with in terms Mm -hmm. of the fiction that I both love and am trying to make, is that superheroes, all of them, all superheroes, Mm -hmm have some percentage of propaganda mixed into them yeah. okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: i would like to turn the knob down on that going forward and i think that we are seeing some some gentle moves in that direction at least at marvel mm-hmm. um and it's yeah. definitely i am writing a superhero novel right now where i am mm-hmm. rewriting things Because I'm thinking about all my decisions, but at the same time, some of it's just autopilot. Like, it's so built into the genre that I needed to be hit in the face for me to go, I need to turn the knob down on that.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
1: I know that S.H.I.E.L.D. is an espionage organization, but frankly, we've seen America's espionage organizations go buck-fucking-wild on Mm -hmm. civil liberties, uh, you know, human rights, and just, like, trampling all over them. So, yeah, it's baked into the show in a way that makes Mm -hmm. it complicated. The conversation being between these two people of color makes it more complicated. It's just, I would really like to know what they thought they were doing, and I don't mean that in like a finger-waggy, shitty way. I'm trying to sort it out you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm wondering i'm wondering what that is and, and i mean the thing is is that we we do have a lot of diversity um both above the line below the line right, yes. um, there's a lot of diversity within the cast which is something i've always enjoyed i enjoy the way that they write women in yeah. general i think yeah. that that's really good um i just i think that there are some things here that um yeah that that needs some examination and again Our culture has a lot of problems and those things get into the storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's a concept I've, I've talked about before called terroir, right? Which is about, you know, um, wine, what's in the ground, gets in the grapes, gets in the wine, what's in the culture, gets in the writers, gets in the stories. Um, So I am not wagging a finger at anybody. Um, I think that, that writers as when you're part of a culture, sometimes you cannot see the things that you're engaging with or the things that you're doing or follow them fully to their full um extrapolation, their full context. That does happen and I think that is a human thing. And I you know, I look back at my own books and I have shame about things that I didn't realize that I was doing. Um and I then am grateful that I didn't sell that many. Um I think it's fair. Um
1: I think it's fair. And I think that we can kind of put a period on this sentence with a much less egregious example, but still something that I was just, again, gently confused by. Like, what are you trying yes. to do? Talbot mm-hmm. is a racist dick. Now, look, yeah. Talbot is not a good dude. Like, yeah. he's a secondary antagonist. right? And, in, and he's not supposed
0: to be. We're supposed to not like him. So right. at least with him, we have clarity. Except you know? that.
1: We need him and are happy that he's around at the end of the show, like at the end of yes. this the season. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that moment necessarily undoes all the stuff before it. But again, in this very like muddied conversation that this show is kind of sort of but not really having about race relations. Yeah, it's just so. So now we're happy that the racist he's douchebag just, is here is he's just forgiven. Yeah. I
0: think. OK, here's the thing with Talbot that, yes, he's a jerk and he's supposed to be a jerk. And we show him being a jerk by making him say all these racist things. And then we forgive him because it's not a big deal and it's funny. Um, and that's, I think, how he's I think he's written to be funny. Look at the funny racist. Right. Um, <sighs>
1: right. There aren't any of those, Lonnie.
0: No, no, there aren't. And so that's also really a, a, it's a real stopping point for me now. We've hit on all of these things that are are problems. And again, by calling them out, this is the thing, like by looking at the stories that you love, and I do love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm sorry, I can't help it, I do. By looking at the things that you love, by looking at these things that happen, and by rejecting the premise of it, and understanding that everything that it's saying is not true. We usually rely on the story itself to do that, by not having our good guys rubber stamp this stuff, by not having, you know, like by having the people who do these things, be bad guys or earn their way back. Right? Yes. Um, So we haven't done that. Um, And that's where it becomes a problem. So we have to do that work as, as culture critics. And honestly, Everybody who's interested in stories, I think everybody should be looking at um, at all of their stories with a critical eye, because yes. it really is on us to not allow the bullshit in. Um, so anybody who sees anything that we missed that was egregious um, at a certain point, I fell off. I was like, uh, you know, and now we can talk about the things that we, we <laughs> love and enjoy. Now we can have a, have a good
1: time. And now for something completely different.
0: Exactly. <laughs> All right. So Bobby and Hunter, um, you had some feels, as I remember in your in your texting. Uh, you had some feels about Bobby and Hunter.
1: <laughs> you people do not know the burden that Lonnie took on herself. She did not realize herself that she was going to get live texted
0: as I, I watch. It.
1: OK, good. I that's that's good because yeah. it's probably not going to stop. And I had a lot of texts about losing bobby um hunter is you know it's luggage that you're not sorry to see lost you know you're like "Mm, you know it's just it was just my dirty indies i need some new ones anyway it's fine that's actually meaner than meaner to hunter than i mean to be yeah Mm -hmm. but losing bobby was devastating because i love her so damn much on this show And Mm -hmm. what's worse is that I knew that they were leaving eventually because I remember hearing about the spinoff that then never happened.
0: The Mockingbird spinoff. Yes. And Mm
1: -hmm. now when they leave me, I don't even get to pretend that I'm going to get to watch that show. (laughs) I think there's a pilot, but I don't know if I can actually see it anywhere. And I don't
0: know. yeah. And I
1: I'm not happy about it. I am not happy about it at all.
0: Bobby was never really somebody that I cared a whole lot about. I don't know. Bobby never really wound her way into my heart. I do like Lance, and I realize it's a problem that I like Lance. I know, I know. Um, But, like, I didn't mind her, you know? But I was never really that crazy about her. So I didn't mind losing her. Hunter, eh, okay, you know, um, that's fine. Um, But I have to say, though, that the episode itself parting shot, I quite enjoyed. Um, It's a short story episode. It feels like a short story episode in that the short story episodes are the ones that almost act like narratives unto themselves. That If Mm -hmm. you showed it to somebody who didn't know anything about anything, they could follow along what was going on and that the narrative within the episode is complete and almost often aesthetically different. You know, we do a lot of these time jumps that I'm not a big fan of, these fractured uh, tease kind of things, the 36 hours earlier kind of bullshit. because we had them running and it wasn't just at the beginning in the tease, they were running, you know, side long each other and bouncing back and forth. It gave it a much more artistic feel. Um, it, didn't, it didn't bother me so much.
1: I think that that also ties into the fact that they were in separate interrogations. Like, I think that yes. we were doing kind of a low key Rashomon on purpose.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it sort of felt that way, which I liked. I, I thought it had an artistic bent to it. It's not the cheap kind of fractured tease that you'll see in a lot of other places where they give you an exciting moment, they say 36 hours earlier, and then they just go into a regular episode and run through. This had a really interesting kind of fractured chronology, which I actually enjoyed. Um, so it does relate a little bit to Malik and Hydra. But the thing is that if you if you lifted this episode out of the season entirely, mm-hmm. I don't think you'd miss it. I don't fine. think there's anything that happens yeah. in there that would... Yeah. Um, so I actually um, I, I enjoy this episode... I have to say though, and maybe uh, Josh, as as somebody who reads a lot more spy fiction and maybe understands spy fiction in a way that I do not, um, I never really understood the big sacrifice of it. They're not going off to die; they're going off to retire in a sunny island somewhere, like. They're just leaving S.H.I.E.L.D. They can't, okay, yes, they can't talk to their friends again. They can't connect with them. They have to pretend they don't know each other. All of this kind of stuff. So they can't, you know, like, see their friends again. And that's sad. But it's not like they're going to die or spend the rest of their days on the cold floor of a Siberian prison. So at the end, I'm like, you know, the the ending scene where they all do the shots is, uh, at the same time for me, kind of ridiculous and stupid. And I always cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's very effective, and at the same time, I'm like, okay, that's this is a dumb, dumb, weird, and thing. also it works. And also, I am very easily manipulated. I think <laughs> um, emotionally. So, uh, so I don't know. I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are on this episode.
1: So, I really like the episode uh, yes. a lot, um, mm-hmm. a lot. But no, none of this makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> It it, it really doesn't. It 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 really doesn't. It It makes Mm -hmm. no sense. Like, even as I was Mm -hmm. watching it, I was like three quarters of the way through before I went, oh, shit, this is the one where they leave. And I was still Mm -hmm. like, I wonder how they're going to build that up. And then they don't. It's just like, I guess we have to go because we blew this mission and we've got to cover our tracks. S.H.I.E.L.D. is not an official organization. This is shit CIA agents have to do. Pretend that they're Mm -hmm. not CIA agents. Right. Right. either go to Uh prison saying yeah. i'm not here on behalf of america or to retire and then they uh-huh. can't have any c- communication with their old colleagues right. because then that uh-huh. would make them that would legitimize them after delegitimizing sure. them to avoid an international conflict yes. shield doesn't mm-hmm. have any of those fucking problems that's literally <laughs> part of their deal right now
0: they're always in the shadows anyway right. they're not a legitimate operation anyway so they appeasing? why appeasing
1: with yeah, this it does not. Right, okay. it's not it good. It didn't it's make bad. any sense nope, to me. It's okay, it's right. bad.
0: I thought maybe you would understand it.
1: As oh, I understand what they're doing, but the mm-hmm. problem. I mean, I do understand what they're doing. This is 100 that Mission Impossible. You will be disavowed if you're caught or cap if you're captured or failed. Right, right? like that's mm-hmm. what this is. This is a disavowal. Yeah. The thing yeah. is, Shield doesn't fucking exist. So who's disavowed? It, it's not good. It's not as yeah. much as I love this episode. They way overplayed all of the emotional shit because it it doesn't work like they they do right. not mm-hmm. actually cause any kind of problem mm-hmm. by being caught other than the fact that they're going to siberia which don't get me wrong that's a shit show but for just those two right like, it's not yeah. america's fucking problem
0: Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. them retiring does not actually save shield anything i don't understand why they're walking out of there just because they retired interpol Mm -hmm. didn't even arrest them which makes no sense whatsoever if they were going to have to go do a couple of years in a french prison (laughs) because of because they had to do something to appease interpol then i would get it yeah Yeah. i love all the spy shit going on in this episode But Uh it is not the emotional stakes are bullshit and their reasons for exiting are extra bullshit. It's not okay. Uh -uh. All
0: right. See, I was hoping that I just didn't understand it. So I think I've been able to accept it to a certain degree because I didn't understand it. But, you know, hearing that it's bullshit is actually somewhat comforting because it seemed like it to me. But I don't know enough about spy fiction to really be able to say.
1: And let me say this is Mm -hmm. insult to injury. Because one of the reasons that I will miss Bobby is that she is one of two competent spies, in Agents <laughs> of Shield. There are two. Mm-hmm. She was one of them, and she left, under a cloud of being <laughs> extremely incompetent. I don't approve.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you know, bye bye, Bobby. I know. Bye bye, it's Lance. A, it's a
1: goddamn misery is what it is. But anyway. Oh,
0: I'm so sorry. Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, we got Daisy. In this run of episodes, we have her brainwashed by Hive, brought in, you know, with uh, with him and his his merry band of inhumans, <laughs> um, where they did not buy a building, but they bought a town, which I kind of love. Oh, yeah. I kind of love that. I yeah. think that's very, very cool. That's
1: thinking big.
0: Yeah. So, so Daisy's whole arc in this back half of the season, um, I actually really like i like fall um and redemption stories um daisy's inability to forgive herself is always really deeply touching to me um and it brings us the the female version of dark and beardy which is goth girl of pain and i always love that so we're going to be seeing you know no spoilers we're seeing a little bit of that next uh, next season as we finish uh, that up for daisy um so i really really like that um one of the things though um that we're seeing here that we've seen I, i've talked about this actually a lot on my Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast still pretty is this idea about when is somebody responsible for what they do you know Mm -hmm. Um, when there's brainwashing when they're under the control of someone else typically we don't hold them responsible Mm -hmm. you know and nobody here is holding Daisy responsible. Nobody here is blaming Daisy, right? Um, we do this drug analogy. You're, you're addicted, you know, all this kind of stuff, which I thought was kind of an interesting analogy for it. Um, and then we have her, though, at the end, go to him and say, take me back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which I thought was such a beautifully complex note on this thing. And then only once she can't go back, Right. Then she decides to fight. But she felt so terrible before that. Mm-hmm. Right. She felt, keep me locked up here. She had so much guilt. But while I love the complexity of that desperation, of that takeaway, like, I don't care that you're the worst in the world, take away this pain. I can't live with this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I like that. But before, it wasn't her fault because she didn't choose it. Right. Right. And here she is choosing it. And the most important thing that you can possibly do in fiction is make a choice. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, so I find that really interesting, really crunchy um, and and something that like I, I've had to spend some time thinking about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, once she makes that once she makes that choice and says, take me back make me what I was turn me back that the moral choice for her I think gets so much more muddy whereas up until that moment it really wasn't her fault in this moment when she's making this choice I mean totally get it you're weakened you're in pain you can't face what you've done and when you were under the effect of the you know hive heroin you felt good and happy and like you belonged you know um That is a really, I mean, and it makes, I think, Daisy's story for me so much sadder and so much more interesting. I don't know. What did you think of all that?
1: This is the first time Daisy's ever been interesting, ever.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm.
1: real talk. Uh, I love it. She has just been wallpaper. She's supposed to be our Mm -hmm. point of view character through the whole Mm -hmm. first season and all that. And supposed to have all these emotional stakes in the second season. And it's just wallpaper all the time. And I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. because again, I'm sure Chloe Bennett is a wonderful human being.
0: She is really delightful. She kind of has the Brett Dalton Clark Gregg effect for me, too. I have no
1: doubt. I mean, she's just so
0: delightful. Everyone
1: involved in the show just seems like they're the best humans. They're
0: so wonderful. Yes. But
1: that doesn't make (laughs) Daisy interesting or good. And now she I finally I thought she was is.
0: interesting in the second season, but I completely get what you're saying. Uh, I completely... She was more interesting, more interesting in the second season. I'll buy that. Yes. I'll
1: buy that. Yes. We went mm-hmm. from like zero to point 0.1, something like that. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. But this <laughs> is like right. actual registering on the interesting scale. Yeah. Um, it is a little... Surprising to me that on top of all these other kind of muddy messages that we're doing, that we turn Hive's mind control into more like drug addiction, it yeah. is a really useful choice for making Daisy's decisions complicated and nuanced and, com- and yes. crunchy and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. That, it's a good choice, but it's also like, okay, hold on. Mm -hmm. We do hold people responsible for the things that they do when they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol and stuff like that. Yes,
0: we do. Mm -hmm.
1: I do not off the top of my head know how the law would react if I were drugged and then went and did something terrible. I assume that that would be back on the person who drugged me, which is back Mm -hmm. to Hive, So still good. But it just kind of comes in. I don't want to say it comes out of nowhere because they talked about the dopamine being a thing and that maybe they'd be able to, you know, pull her out and all that stuff. It was the track. And they referred
0: to it as withdrawal. Like they did. They did put that down. They put that analogy down pretty hard. Mm
1: -hmm. But only in maybe the episode before she tried to go back to Hive. Right. Like they had talked a little bit about the dopamine, but now we're going to talk real hard about drugs and then it's apparently going to be like withdrawal. And apparently she's going to succumb to the withdrawal and go back like all that's Mm -hmm. super interesting for Daisy, but it feels a little I mean, I complained at the beginning. There's some things that just feel a little convenient.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: As much as I love what's going on with Daisy as a character in this, the whole... Mm like just bundle of stuff around her just feels it just feels a little convenient not not to yeah. let her off the hook but convenient from a storytelling perspective
0: yes yes exactly exactly but i do i, I really really enjoy that whole it. thing from from daisy <laughs> and we get our you know our goth girl of pain which i'm really going to lo- <laughs> really like love this. that shit that, okay yes. so
1: i naturally have a beard so if i have a yes. dark and beardy period what that actually means for me who already has a beard is that i'm going to have to get a lot of black nail polish And eye makeup is that what this means
0: yes yes i absolutely command it
1: fuck yeah all right (laughs) hell i may not wait until i'm having a time i I may just do it i would
0: rather you not have a bad time but yes please do that'll be really fun um all right so so the one discussion that i have been waiting and waiting and waiting since we did our first episode (laughs) of ages of shield to talk to you about is hive and ward the hive ward yeah um so what do you think of that whole thing
1: So obviously Hive as a character is significantly more interesting than Hydra Ward, who is Mm -hmm. exponentially more interesting than Shield Ward. So in that way, it is an evolution. (laughs) Yes. Like it is a quantum leap from one to two and then an incremental leap from two to three. I do Uh think. Oh, man. God, I hope nobody who's on this show actually ever listens to this podcast. I do (laughs) think that Brett Dalton had kind of used up all the tools in his toolbox with good guy warden, bad guy warden <laughs> because Hive mostly acts like he's on Quaaludes. Like he's uh-huh. just super chill and super just zen. really
0: slowed down. Yeah. yeah.
1: And he's just, yeah, it's just like, oh, no, this is how it will go for I am Hive. <laughs> Behold, this thing over here. Maybe I will kill her. Maybe I will not. Like, it's just very, it's not, it's not bad. Like, I like Hive, but just, that's it. Like, this is what we get is just Uh like, it's like his direction was, Brett, chill the fuck out. Can you just bring it down a notch? And he's like, I'm nearly dead now. One more notch. Bring it one more notch. (laughs) So I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But as I'm watching him, Uh I am like... Did we just run out of options, like, as far I as performances? <laughs> All
0: right. Yeah, I've, I've clearly got Brett Dalton blindness here, because I am think I he's wrong? lovely. I know. I, I don't think that you're wrong. I can't say that. I, I can't say that it's great. Look, I am saying it's better. I love him. He delights me. And anyone who says that he's a big, pretty piece of cardboard, like, I get it. I'm with you. I don't necessarily disagree, but I really enjoy him as an actor. There's, or as I think, I enjoy him as a person. Oh, now and hold that... on!
1: I gotta say some nice things because when mm-hmm. he is, um, when he's confused, Hive, after mm-hmm. they have messed with his memories, and so sometimes yeah. he's Ward, and sometimes he's Nicholas, and sometimes he's Will, and sometimes yeah. he's just confused about where he is. That stuff actually makes me think, like maybe. It was a direction problem and not a performance Maybe. problem because that's Maybe. like real mm-hmm. acting going on and I love all that yeah, stuff.
0: It was good. That's yeah. really good.
1: And I don't hate super chill, float through everything, super villain. Like that's an <laughs> option. Yeah. It's just, you know, he's standing next to Powers booth doing that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is a bit of a challenge. You know, that is like a bit Powers, of a Powers yeah.
1: Booth is, you know, strutting around the set like a caged tiger using this voice. <laughs> Brad Dalton just comes in, yeah. and he's all very, you know, everybody, let's be cool.
0: I actually enjoyed wetting himself Gideon Malik. I thought that was one of my favorite brands of yeah. Gideon Malik when he gets the vision of his own death and knows that that hive is going to kill him and then I do I do love this powerful white man's indignation like i have killed and maimed and ruined (laughs) lives and sent my own brother through the void to be you know a sunday brunch for this thing but he was gonna do that to me can you believe it (laughs) to me like that whole thing i did kind of enjoy that because i felt like it was a commentary on exactly that kind of thing. Like, when the bad guy, when somebody more powerful actually turns on the bad guy, the bad guy's like, wait, that's my gig. Like, they have no <laughs> comprehension yeah. Of a world in which somebody could do to them the thing that they regularly do to other people. Um, And so that lack of awareness, that lack of empathy, that lack of everything, when it comes around to them, they have such a lack of understanding of self-awareness that it's like it's not just that the bad thing is happening to them, but also there's like the additional you know, fun for me, punishment for them of being <laughs> right. like just shocked, shocked that this is how the world works. Like, um, so I, I enjoy that additional indignation. It just felt like a little bit of twist of that knife. And, uh, and that was fun delightful. to watch. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And and again, yes. I do very much like Hive. Like I you mm-hmm. know, good super villainy. He's got a big plan. Yeah. He thinks big. He's got powers. I
0: like it. He, I yeah, like the whole thing. All that stuff is yeah. really good.
1: And again chill zen supervillain is an option it just it was just maybe not the one i would have pulled for ward in this moment you know
0: okay so um more things that i enjoyed um you know our merry band of inhumans we've got yo-yo right elena
1: secret warriors
0: i like merry band of inhumans
1: they said secret warriors out loud more than they once they did say
0: secret warriors out loud a ton and i think there was a time not too long ago where you were like oh is there secret warrior stuff going on like i don't know
1: <laughs> i was pretty sure I was pretty sure
0: but anyway so yes fine our secret warriors um i love yo-yo yo awesome she's okay if you think she's great now just wait great she's gonna be around for a while She's going to be around for a Excellent. while. Excellent. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. I quite, I quite enjoy her. Um, I, I like the relationship with Mac. I love when he's learning Spanish and she's learning more English, and they're both so unbelievably cute. Um, so I like, I like those two together. I think it's very, very sweet. I like when she calls him Turtle Man.
1: Right. The problem <laughs> is your turtle speed, and I was like, the problem is your turtle speed.
0: <laughs> but he's thinking. He's thinking he's being very careful he's a very careful guy but then of course I love that moment too where like he's in the middle of it they've run out of time Hive is there and she's like fuck this and, she, and does it and then gives him to Lincoln and then Lincoln uh, you know uh, sends everything going uh, we'll talk about Lincoln later Um. so Joey I liked Joey Joey's fine. I kind of wish we had more of Joey well also like our okay correct me if I'm wrong only LGBTQ character
1: yes I think so At least canonically, like, so far, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think that's correct.
0: Right. Um, And so this is the thing, like, uh, it's the the show, we acknowledge, extremely heteronormative. Mm -hmm. Like, extremely heteronormative. Um, And so, like, the idea of having some variety of maybe Joey having a love interest within the mary band or the the shield unit or something like that i think could have been fun um he's brought in and they say yes he's gay but we don't ever actually see that as part of who he is really we
1: did get a date or at least the tail end of there the was date. A date um the i'm not saying that date, that's yeah. great i'm just saying it is something no.
0: I think that Marvel gives us very little of that right. in general, yeah. um, and Marvel's Marvel's being so proud of themselves and Endgame for having a guy in Cap's group be gay, like talk about being on a date with a man, and that's it. Um, I think that we we can move away from such such severe heteronormativity, um, but. At the same time, I like the character, like, regardless. Yeah, yeah. I like the he's character. I, I, you I, know, I, I like him. I don't him. love
1: him as much as I love Yo Yo. You know, I don't
0: think we get a chance to. Yeah. We just don't get much of him. But I do, you know? I do
1: like his kind of fish out of water stuff sometimes when he's like, yeah. So is this a, is this, a, I forget all the things, but it was like, So are we rescuing right. our friends? Are we destroying Hydra? Are we fighting an alien? Are we doing some combination of all three? I'm new. Yeah. And I was I like, like that he's I like the one who makes that. the
0: commentary like none of this makes any sense. I don't even know what the hell's going. like he would have been like, if they had had him in the bar and parting shots, he would have been like,
1: what the fuck is this? You know, <laughs> that's what Joey just walks through and is like, none of this actually makes any sense. <laughs> that would have been beautiful. It. I love it.
0: So the other ones we have are, like, there's Guyara, who is the, the floaty pistol inhuman guy who's, you know, kind of a bad guy from
1: Jump, right? I like him a lot. He is a great yes. lieutenant, right? Like, he is uh-huh. a great yeah. mini-boss.
0: Mm-hmm. He is a mini-boss. That's exactly what he is. He's a mini-boss, yes.
1: yeah. His powers are somewhat confusing to me.
0: They seem a little mutable, yeah.
1: He has telekinesis. <laughs> But not on biological things, and and right. again, I, because there were so many just kind of convenient things, I could yeah. not help it. But when they said that out loud, my brain went, "That means it's too expensive to throw people around with special effects budget <laughs> that we have."
0: <laughs> yes yeah that's, that's what exactly that what that means that's but it's exactly fine. what it's that good. means he's really we don't scary. get him developed as a character oh, but no. he is a scary he's a mini boss he's an, an, an antagonist like the only thing you, the only thing you have to do with an antagonist is block your protagonist so fine fair enough I wouldn't have minded a little character development from him I wouldn't have minded a little personality a little something give him something you know aside from that he comes in looks scary and you know makes things float and shoot at you, shoot you you know I mean it's just what would it cost to give him a couple of lines of some good shit you know um like like james our fire starter right
1: oh you think that's good shit (laughs) interesting
0: i i do like james i i think i've got a problem i mean he's australian but it's you know like it's that that you know rough dark beardy snarky guy with an accent like apparently i think i have i have a weakness okay you know Okay. I think I have a weakness. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm like those men that love the manic pixie dream girl, and there's shame in that, but they still do. You know, okay. like it's just a thing. Yeah. Nope
1: that all that all makes sense. <laughs> um, James has a note. He's yes, got a note, right. and he plays the shit out of it. I mean, he just plays the shit out of it. He does to he the does. point where that note starts to take on something more like a. Dentist's drill by the end (laughs) because it's just the same goddamn thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is that he is all asshole, no vulnerability. And that's, he could have been, if you had some genuine vulnerability in James, that could have been a really nice combination of, of, you know, elements to his character. Um, But again, he's just an asshole.
1: And as your resident comic book nerd, yes, I'm going to complain about his powers for a second. Okay. What the fuck? <laughs> like at the beginning, I'm like, oh, shit, he's Gambit. Yeah, we're doing X-Men yeah. shit. He's Gambit. And Gambit's deal. Mm-hmm. Be- you may not know.
0: Yes, no, not Because I don't. not
1: everyone wasted the 90s reading X-Men comics. Hey,
0: it is not a waste. You do this professionally now. Well, this was not a waste for you.
1: I remember the 90s X-Men comics, and we'll just leave the jury out. <laughs> Gambit has the mutant ability to charge... What he's holding with, the, like, it has its potential energy to turn yeah. that immediately into kinetic energy. This science makes no sense. And so okay, then okay, when okay. he throws it, it explodes when it hits because it's Ooh, all uh-huh. of the potential energy. Again, right. this mm-hmm. makes no sense. Like, not even right. mm-hmm. eighth grade science me was like, I don't know. And at first, that's what it looks like James is. But then, out of nowhere, he gets a chain. That will Uh like
0: not explode
1: and cut through people. And apparently, I went and looked this up because I was like, "No." So I went and Uh looked it up. Apparently, his inhuman ability is to set literally anything on fire. To which I say, "No," because that's not what happened to any of those Uh things. None of those things were lit on fire. They glowed (laughs) gold. They weren't on fire. Fire does not make a cue ball explode eventually mm-hmm. yes. like it yes. will but not like when i say so let me spin it and do this right thing. That, uh-huh. so i don't like his powers because they don't make any damn sense okay <laughs> which is a theme yes gay <laughs> just you know the swiss army knife approach to yeah. Daisy's powers, where it's like, mm-hmm. I can knock a building down. It can also make me jump way high. My son, yes. I'm just going to jump to the end of the <laughs> season, just as they corner her in that scene. Yeah. And my son is sitting next to me and he's like, oh, she's going to use her quake powers to jump real high. And I said uh-huh. out loud, that's dumb as shit. They are not going to do that <laughs> because quake powers don't make you jump. And then they did it and he got to be smug. But the thing is, I was right. That is you dumb. You were right.
0: He was genre savvy, yes.
1: <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> She's just moving fucking furniture with her powers and stuff, and I'm like, yeah. whatever. And so the same way, I liked it when it was Gambit.
0: Uh huh. But uh-huh. then when
1: he like he picks up that chain, and I was like. Oh, he's gonna like charge that chain up and wrap it around somebody, and then the whole Uh thing's gonna explode. I was like, that's awesome. And then instead, he puts it through Lash's chest. And I'm like,
0: yeah. What?
1: Anyway, I don't like it.
0: Yeah. You yeah. may move okay. on now. I'm all done.
1: Right. I'm done complaining about his powers.
0: Fair enough. To, Fair for enough. Now. Um, all right. So, in, in the inhumans, even though he is not inhuman, right. um, is I, I have him in this list because he's kind of with them. Is Holden Radcliffe, portrayed by John Hanna, who was the best part of Four Weddings and a Funeral, 100. Um, again, like, and here is this guy. Like, I actually, I really, really love this character. He's so I love great. this guy. He has no sense of morality. He is totally about self-preservation um he is a coward he is smart and he's got like strengths and weaknesses and we don't really see a whole lot of vulnerability but you know we'll get to that um i i love him i mean aside from his fear like his general fear of anything happening to him is something of a vulnerability so we do get that from him (laughs) he's fun he's funny john hannah does a beautiful job in the portrayal i love holden radcliffe
1: Yeah, I also love him. He's great. Um, It was a minute before I realized Mm -hmm. that it was Jonathan from uh, 1999's The Mummy.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, because I love The Mummy, and all right-thinking people should love The Mummy, and all Mm right-thinking people should love Jonathan in The Mummy. And then he basically plays Mm middle-aged Jonathan, from the mummy where he's like I know things but only kind of and when I'm in danger I will just run or talk very fast until people stop trying to kill me
0: yes I love it. I love it. Um, uh, another thing I love in this is, of course, all the Fitzsimmons of it. Sure. You know, we've talked at length about how much I love Fitzsimmons. Now, you know, we have them crossing the event horizon, so to speak, for their little uh, cute little off comms talk. Um, oh, God, the look on your face.
1: The <laughs> nerdiest <laughs> euphemism <laughs> for sex that I have I ever know,
0: heard. No, and I love it. I am here for it. I mean, how on brand is that way of expressing this for them? Oh no, it
1: is. It I is I loved it. But I yeah. need a moment later where Fitz like is trying to be cool and like, Hey uh-huh. baby, would you like me to cross <laughs> your event horizon? <laughs> And have it be a normal <laughs> girl that's so, just like, what the fuck is that?
0: Oh, it's so sweet. I, I love all the Fitzsimmons stuff. I think it's incredibly sweet. I love the way that they move their relationship through. Um, it's a side thing, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and Simmons, when she shoots Hive Ward whatever you know um i like that moment for her i like i like simmons we're seeing like this sense of of a dark gemma right where she's learning how to shoot she's talking to may you know i'm the helpless mm-hmm. you know girl mm-hmm. that everybody has to save i'm the only woman here who can't defend herself um you know like i actually really liked that from gemma we yep. didn't have any time for that to like for that tea bag to steep you know sure. before she's before she's in this situation where she shoots ward also the very idea that hive wouldn't just suck her face off in that moment like why not you know like there's no real reason not to accept that will is still within him and okay. maybe there's some affection for her that will's memories are preventing him from hurting her that maybe that's a thing i don't know but Lonnie. Maybe. i
1: love you but you are doing ten thousand times more work on that scene than anybody who wrote it or filmed it yeah. or acted in yeah. it is putting into yeah. it
0: yeah <laughs> all right i know no Cardboard, i love it fine. i'm
1: glad you're doing it but it's like stop trying to explain it it's dramatically interesting for her to run away
0: yes yes <laughs> um so it's 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 fun it's fun and i like that she shoots him um i like that she has that moment and i do like that we're getting a sense of of darkness from gemma um i i like i love these Dark arcs. It's fun to see people kind of go into these these spaces, these very questionable, very difficult spaces. And she hasn't she hasn't gone much of anywhere, you know. But I, I like the hint of that 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 could be a thing. Um. So I enjoy that. I enjoy Fitz. I enjoy both of them. It's nice to see them just you know actually getting together and and being able to love each other. So that's really nice. I love a love story. Another thing that I kind of wanted to talk about uh, was the the ending for Anne. Andrew or Lash.
1: Yeah. Um speaking speaking of a series of extremely convenient things.
0: Uh, yeah. Everything yeah. with Lash
1: in the back half of this thing is extremely convenient
0: extremely convenient that you know Andrew shows up that he knows it's going to be his last turn the goodbye between him and and Melinda um, we never see the struggle in Lash from Andrew's perspective right here we are like you know for Daisy we are in her experience right like that internal conflict that internal pull how difficult it is you know to be a good man wrestling with a monster inside I mean that that is narrative gold and we never use it we never examine any of this from his experience we never think about how that would feel for him you know yeah and, not at all you know and and i mean on top of this like you know back to like the whole like daisy comparison which throws this into even starker relief is that this is may her husband like the man that she loved turned into a monster And then dies brutally. And we give her, I don't know, like five seconds of screen time to be like, oh, yeah, that sucks. Meanwhile.
1: Now, hold on. Let me push a little (laughs) bit back. Uh, Just a little bit. Yeah. Because I do think that we have actually several scenes where Mm -hmm. May is given the opportunity to say Mm -hmm. something or react. And she specifically chooses not to. And in fact, tells other people that they're being big wusses because they're indulging their emotions.
0: Yeah, but we don't live in her experience. We can't go in a room with her while she's by herself.
1: No, Well, because I don't think she's even doing it by herself. I don't think May is allowing any of that to touch her, which is a character choice. Right.
0: And there is that moment where she says, don't give me hope. Right. I don't want Like, hope, there's right? a moment. You know, so there is some of that. I just, there's so much here. And I mean, granted, you know, this season is 10 pounds a story stuffed in a five pound bag. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. But, you know, that compared to like, you know, when we get to the loss of Lincoln for Daisy And how much angst and drama we put into that. And I'm glad we did. I like what it does for Daisy. I'm just saying that when you put that in comparison, we are treating Andrew like he means less than Lincoln. Right? Who is absolutely, of the flop. Out of care if his hair is floppy or not, he is floppy hair douchebag at his core, 100%. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's not great. But, it's
1: true. But yeah,
0: yes. but before we move on from Andrew, I wanted to talk a little bit. We referenced um, the nerdsofcolor.org, um and A.L. Barrosa, um, who is one of their writers, um, and he wrote an article for them called What's the Deal with the POC Characters on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Um, and I think this is really interesting. He wrote it at the um, midpoint of season two, um and by the midpoint of season two he had an overwhelming amount Mm. of textual evidence which by the way i love if any of my students are listening they know how much i demand (laughs) textual evidence when they're making an argument and this dude would have got an a in my class um but what he says is if a pattern exists of recurring or guest characters of color consistently shown as evil monstrous or otherwise antagonistic to the mostly white leads of a series and are often killed or punished while the white leads remain largely untouched. People notice it. Hearing that a character would be killed off for December's mid-season finale, many assumed that it would be one of the two Black Shield agents. Many fan podcasts joked about it, knowing full well that the white regulars would not be sacrificed. And sure enough, not only was one of the black agents killed, but the other one was used in a cliffhanger the previous week where it looked like he was killed. This just illustrates how pervasive the disposability of Black and POC characters is in the series, where 100% of the viewers who predicted that either Black agent would die could claim to be correct. It seems that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is approaching Walking Dead levels of infamy for its casual disposal of Black characters. I think that this is really interesting. The link to that article is going to be in the show notes. I highly recommend everybody read it because the list of characters that he has either turned monstrous or dead or whatever, there's a whole list and it is a very compelling argument. Um, And so when... I saw this happening with Lash I I was thinking about that and I was like dude this was like a year before any of this happened and Mm -hmm. he had it he had their number we're seeing this over and over and over again with our black characters with our characters of color now granted we do have a lot more diversity you know Melinda May is Chinese she's in the main cast she is not being messed with in this way (laughs) Daisy is also half Chinese she is not being messed with in this way Um, we have you know Mac however was turned against himself we referenced it when he was talking about his mind control thing with Daisy Um, so we do have we saw that with Mac right Um, so there's so much stuff going on and triplet I'll never forgive them for taking triplet away I will never forgive them for taking triplet away I'm still salty about
1: it and we all know that I am I just try not to bring it up every
0: episode I know (laughs) Um, but anyway so I found that a really interesting commentary on this with I agree with it A thousand percent. And I was really kind of disappointed. I mean, they gave him a heroic, you know, um, finish where he instead of being the hero that kills lash which seems to be with this whole thing that Lincoln was like everybody has a purpose and that his purpose is to then save Daisy the only you know saving grace of that is that Daisy is not white and blonde because that would have been just offensive Um, it's bad enough that that he's you know completely sacrificed in this way after building up this greater purpose that he's supposed to have that his purpose is to save the person who saves the person who actually takes out Hive the end which is lincoln
1: (laughs) right um side note the worst possible subplot point that they brought up was the idea that inhumans are mutated specifically to fill some kind of need
0: well yeah i mean the thing is okay fine yeah that's
1: it's clever think it through friends
0: well also play it through well yeah. You're going to tell me that Lash, first of all, is so, like, out of control with his monster thing that he's just going to kill all of the inhumans right he's going to kill everybody and then hive will be like maybe one of those dudes that he kills after he kills every right, Inhuman. right that's not great um but then this this idea that that like you know he is his purpose is to kill hive so he's got this greater purpose then take that away from him he dies brutally saving you know somebody else sacrifice to somebody else's storyline. It's just like I it's not it's not a great ending for him. And it was really disappointing for me.
1: It's disappointing in that they clearly decided to do something with him. But then Mm -hmm. this is what they decided to do. You know, Yeah. like I didn't really care about Lash. He was fine as a MacGuffin. You know, Oh, um, but that in the internal
0: struggle of am I a good man or am I a monster? Like I would have loved to have seen that. We didn't oh, get no. it. I'm disappointed by that. that. Yeah, we could have done that. Yeah, um, I mean I no, but loved I liked him. That. Yes. Yeah.
1: No, I agree. I liked mm-hmm. him fine as the MacGuffin. If they had just yes. sort of left it at that level, okay. Right. But then we've got to make it Andrew, and now there's some shit with May, and then in the end, an extremely convenient series of events and facts mm-hmm. crop up that allow him to save Daisy. And then save her again, kind of, because that's it's apparently his greater purpose, his power that meant Hive couldn't take her back. Like, so again, he's
0: basically just a cranky bodyguard for Daisy. Like, is that his whole greater purpose? You know, after like,
1: being a cranky murder guy, like after it's
0: being not, a cranky murder guy, yeah, it's not. It's not a great use, I think, of the character.
1: And he goes out like a jerk to that <laughs> other guy i don't like <laughs> not starting of all
0: the people of all the people to get to kill lash it's got to be that dude okay so now we have this incredibly disappointing end for lash and this unbelievably drawn out end for lincoln that it had you swapped those two i mean i realized that it wouldn't have had like the like the really nice emotional impact that that i'm enjoying with daisy but oh god lincoln who cares who cares I don't care. I'm glad he's gone. When I saw him up there with Hive, I was like, thank God. You know, um, I think that Daisy's response to it, Chloe Bennett's performance were fantastic. And because we get that, all right, fine. I'll put up with Lincoln. But I was glad to see him go.
1: I have to say the best thing that Lincoln has ever done on this entire show mm-hmm. was to be right next to Hive with nothing to take our attention off of. them. Yeah. Like this is what we're looking because as soon as I saw those two characters together in a scene, I realized that Brett Dalton's approach to Hive was actually high art <laughs> in comparison to everything Lincoln does. <laughs>
0: also what's up with doogie hauser he is 25 years old but he's a doctor and also a recovering alcoholic and like he's he's (laughs) packed a lot of life into those 25 years
1: lived hard yes
0: hard yes and at some point in there became inhuman lived in afterlife uh became their kind of guru guy all of these how he is 25 years old if he's a day like I just it drove me nuts if he had been like 10 years older and had like this grizzled kind of and had been played by somebody else i might have enjoyed it interesting i might have liked him if he had been if he had been a little older
1: we would have been a lot more creeped out by the romance (laughs) well she's like 25
0: if he was like if he was in his early 30s or even 35 like that's not too bad you know 25 to 35 you know but
1: on top of an actual 10 years of years you're you're talking about somebody who's going to come in and play him as like
0: who's seen some shit yeah sunken
1: eyes thousand yard stare which is like putting another 10 years on them
0: (laughs) you know as a character (laughs) and then i'm just like character yeah i I don't know i don't know i like it better I, i i like it better than him but then again like i i cannot stand this character i don't like anything about him he just irritates me every time i see him i'm sure the actor is lovely also i've never seen this actor behind the scenes. He's probably delightful, he's probably and I fine. might have I might have loved him more because. That, but I've never seen him in any of the behind the scenes stuff. So apparently, I haven't been affected by that by the sway, the ages of shield sway that I have for the behind the scenes people.
1: I am trying really hard to forgive them for Bobby by remembering that I got rid of Ward and Lincoln too. <laughs> so I feel like that sums up yeah. my feelings on. Lincoln.
0: Okay. All right, I think that that's good. Um, Okay, so Mac and the Shotgun Axe. The Shotgun Axe is a thing for this character. Is it a thing for this character? In the comic books, it has to be, right?
1: No, that is not a thing in a comic. It
0: has to be. It's so ridiculous.
1: The version of Mac that exists in the comics is an old white guy. So no... (laughs)
0: But he doesn't have a shotgun axe. There isn't a defining thing. They made such a big deal. They're like shotgun and axe. And it was like those you got chocolate in my peanut butter commercials from the 70s. You know, like what is
1: what is the point of the shotgun axe? I'd like someone to tell me because you now have two short range weapons. Good job. (laughs) bayonets went on the end of rifles rifles are for shooting people very far away and then when they get close you stab them that's how the bayonet works when they're far away i shoot when they're up close i stab oh my god shotguns are i grant you Uh weapons that have a longer range than an axe i have a short range a hand-to-hand range like that's all i've got (laughs) so what do you what do you do when they're 12 feet away i wait for them to get six feet away what
0: (laughs) well this is the thing though i was so sure i was so sure that the shotgun axe was a comic book reference because it is so patently ridiculous and they make such a big deal out of it.
1: No, I just I think kept they I was, decided I've been waiting for, for this
0: moment forever so that you could tell me where this was in the comics and I cannot believe it's not anywhere. That's crazy.
1: I mean look, I'm not gonna tell you that there hasn't been a shotgun axe superhero comic book somewhere <laughs> because again, I mentioned the nineties were a tough time. You know, it was probably carried by somebody whose name was like fucking Blood Wolf or some bullshit. Okay, (laughs) so I'm not saying there's never been one, but no, it is new to me. So yeah, and also and also kind of a really stupid idea. But whatever. It looks cool. (laughs) Rule of awesome. Not really. I'm not buying it on this one.
0: Well, I do. I do love Max enthusiasm for it, though. So I'm going to leave it at that. I love Max.
1: Max enthusiasm is always infectious and always appreciated. It's just, that's why I was like, but that's, you shouldn't be enthusiastic about that. That's Uh, a weird thing.
0: Here's going to be something that's shocking. Henry Simmons, also fucking delightful. I just have to say. They're all, like, no, behind the scenes. Just, they're all delightful. Um, All right, so now here we are. We're at the coda, right? The end of the season where we sort of set up next season. We have Holden Radcliffe coming back. He's been cleared of all charges. Everything's great. And hello, Ada. And now I want to know, what are your thoughts? What are your expectations for season four?
1: Okay, I feel like Ada Uh is way off of my comic book beaten track Mm -hmm. because she is an lmd so she's a life model decoy which i approve of Uh being brought up because life model decoys are just a brilliant piece of storytelling technology in fact are we going to get to talk about life model decoys a lot in season four
0: okay um without spoiling no no, this is
1: an on mic conversation i want I you to know
0: <laughs> i know but like i don't know if you've looked at our schedule for season four but the middle pod is called lmd
1: <laughs> oh, no, I haven't. I just okay. knew Ghost Rider was coming up and I was really concerned that this rogue AI was somehow going to need to get a pendant stare. You know, no, so no man. No, okay. So I love that they brought up LMDs, because LMDs yes. are great. And when uh-huh. we get to the point that we're really seriously talking about LMDs, I am going to tell you how LMDs were a way that two different comic book creators sniped at one another's stories. By trying to <gasps> negate one another with LMDs. More on that later.
0: Oh my god, I can't wait to hear that story. I'm very, it's very, very excited. It's, delightful.
1: it's even got kind of an X Men connection in a way. So Ooh, it'll be yeah, it'll be delightful. Fun. Um so I don't know what to expect from Ada. The name Ada doesn't ring any bells Mm -hmm. um lmd that's interesting so obviously she's going to be an extremely lifelike android Mm -hmm. i'm honestly at this point just kind of expecting like a rogue ai kind of story which Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be honest with you i am not excited about like like i've seen it you know what i mean i've seen it i'm not saying that they can't do something that would be very uniquely agents of shield and would draw me in but just like as a concept i'm like yes we know creating rogue AIs is bad.
0: They drew me in with it. I'm just okay. going to say. I like it. No, I like no. It. I'm I hope prepared you'll like to be convinced. Too. I'm yeah.
1: prepared to be convinced. I'm just on the surface, you're asking me.
0: I get where you're coming from.
1: But more of Radcliffe, I'm 100% here for, so.
0: And that is the thing, without like spoiling too much, I will say we are going to see more of John Hanna, which is always, always delightful. All right, so Joshua, the back half of season three, what is your favorite episode, and what is your favorite part?
1: Oh, wow, okay, Um, favorite episode is easy. It's parting shot, I tipped mm-hmm. my hand earlier. Yeah. Not the ending, like if mm-hmm. you cut off everything in the bar, uh-huh. It's a great episode because then they're mm-hmm. not forcing me to deal with the fact that they didn't earn any of that emotion. But,
0: right. <laughs> yes.
1: But yeah, between the kind of like sideways Rashomon stuff and mm-hmm. actual spy stuff, because again, there are only two competent spies in Agents of mm-hmm. S.H.I.E.L.D. and Bobby's the other one. So I like all of that. The first one is May.
0: You yeah. knew that, mm-hmm. right?
1: Okay. I was just making sure I realized I was being kind of cryptic for no reason. So yeah, so I love Parting Shot. I think it's my favorite episode of the season. Mm-hmm. Man, favorite moment is really hard because this is an overstuffed sack, right? Yes, like, it is. I mean, oh, I'm just gonna yes. be honest. I don't think I have yeah. a favorite part. And part of uh-huh. that is because everything is louder than everything else.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot.
1: I I'm sure you like have a favorite part because you've watched it over and over. Right. But I right, mean, right. I mm-hmm. banged out three quarters of this one Saturday in basically <laughs> one sitting. And it was very entertaining, but yeah. I'm also just like, I cannot pull out one. One, you know, one particular you know, moment I, that's set with you. Does Gideon Mallet count yeah, as a sure, favorite part? Sure. Because he's sure. great, right? Yeah. Like all that yeah. gravitas, all the stuff I said mm-hmm. about him in the first half, all that gravitas yeah. and like, I really mm-hmm. believe him as a head of Hydra and Powers Booth is just like low key chewing scenery. Yeah. you know. And then he's got mm-hmm. all that stuff with his daughter, I, I, yeah, I think it's Powers Booth. I think it's Powers Booth. I'm just being okay. honest. It's Gideon Malick is what I mean. <laughs> it's Gideon Malick. Like. Lonnie, what about yourself?
0: Um, I think episode, and I think that you didn't like this one, was Space Time. Um, I liked the episode with that. I like
1: that episode. I don't like what it kind of gives them license to do in the rest of the episode. Because Malick's sure. vision, mm-hmm. for the purposes of that episode, the visions yeah. are 100% accurate and 100% understandable. In what you see, right? Yes. Like like we know mm-hmm. that there was some stuff, Daisy didn't see everything, but right. but mm-hmm. with Malik he says, I felt it, every atom, I know it was him and then he just gets shaken to jelly. Yeah, and I'm like those are not the same things so uh-huh. you broke your own rules so you I like that rules. episode yeah. very much mm-hmm. that episode is a really I good like, like that. Yeah. You know, that yeah it's X a short story fringy. episode it's yes. another one it's yeah. like
0: that it's like it's a standalone it's got it's own aesthetic it's got really interesting things going on I loved when Daisy was memorizing the whole thing and was commanding May through the fight and then she'd be like that's it reset <laughs> I loved that whole sequence yes. I thought it was great um, there was so much stuff in there and I I loved the guy with the wooden carving the Robin that he kept with him for his daughter which I thought was really affecting and then when his wife was like he couldn't ever touch her because he would be inviting horrors into her world so he just left how heartbreaking I am more heartbroken over the internal conflict for that dude than I was for Lash and you know I felt like they just did so much more with that it was really super affecting I also like the fact that they brought them back uh at the end of the season that that's you know when daisy uh is on going rogue um so i thought that was really good and i just i really enjoy that episode and this idea like and also it's it's Mm sci-fi talking about a philosophical you know it's it's what happened happened you cannot change what happened you know um and i kind of love that although you can still be surprised because as we saw by daisy in the end She thought it was going to be her in the space with Hive at the end and then ended up being Lincoln. And as far as my favorite part, I mean, you know, yeah, it's Fitzsimmons. It's fine. I I like I like the Fitzsimmons stuff. I fall for it every time. Whenever those scenes are on, I drop everything I'm doing and I just watch TV, which is almost never the case. I'm always doing the dishes or something else while I'm watching these things. Um, And uh, and I just I, I love it. And it made my heart warm.
1: Listen, I don't think anyone is in a position to judge you for wanting a young, attractive Scotsman to cross your event horizon.
0: <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be young. John Hannah is welcome anytime.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough.
0: All right. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. I am at Lonnie Diane Rich and Joshua is at Joshua Unruh. And the hashtag is listen up, A-holes.
1: This episode of Listen Up A-Holes was brought to you by the Chipperish and Pulp Diction producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Listen Up A-Holes is coming to you free and ad free right now. So thank you to our June producers, Abigail, Alice, April, Erica, Rose, Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah, and Shelly. Thank you producers and to everyone who supports Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, this message is for you. Sometimes the world's greatest miracles Happened by accident.
0: To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, our Patreon links are in the show notes. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or by running very fast away.
1: Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4, Episodes 1 through 8, Ghost Rider. Until then, hello gorgeous. I'm James. Single. 33. Originally from Brisbane. I'm a Leo with a little dab of Scorpio thrown in for good measure. I like a decent drink, a decent meal, and an indecent last. And not necessarily in that order. And you are? Nauseous. Yeah, well I am too, because <laughs> you made me say James is fucking- ah! <laughs>
0: And welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that doesn't want you to die, we want you to suffer. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane rich of Chipperish Media.
1: We should have saved that line if we kept doing Netflix stuff.
0: I was just going to say we should have saved that for the Netflix thing.
1: All of that's going in the outtakes. (laughs) So it's Uh possible that it's a Hydra-created language like a Nazi Esperanto. (laughs) Ha!
0: Okay. (laughs) That's not in the script. Are you ready for this? Yes.
1: Literally just came up with that in that moment. (laughs) I'm very proud of myself. Okay.
0: (laughs) See, I try to prepare myself for this shit by reading the script. As you're saying it, and there we go. That's, All right. Every yeah. now and again, that shit happens. Uh, okay. I, listen,
1: I, I, it's, a you know, it's always a thing. Sometimes you uh-huh. deviate me from the script. I, you know, sometimes I deviate me from the script and sometimes mm-hmm. you just come up with a line that's too sometimes fucking good.
0: Sometimes there's a moment. <laughs> exactly.
1: I got to admit, I'm pretty fucking proud oh, of Nazi Esperanto. Okay. There, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right.